Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Where are we? We're just by Chelmsford train station in the city of Chelmsford. In the county of? Essex. Born and bred and still live and train here. And who are you? I'm Alex Dowser. Doctor Alex Dowser, actually, as of quite recently. I'm not fast, so got a good quad game. We're just hitting the Essex school run, aren't we? Yeah. We actually went past my school back there. Oh, did we? Yeah. Your secondary school? Yeah. Fond memories? Yeah. It's an old boys' school. And then they introduced girls to the sixth form. Here's like 160 of us and 40 were girls. So yeah, it's not a good ratio. Competitive for yeah, a Yeah, it got less fun. I preferred it when it was all boys because just no one, no one gave one about how they looked or what they were doing or how much of a tit they made themselves look. And the girls were introduced and everyone got cool. <laughs> so. so was the house you grew up in quite close to here then? Yeah, 25 minutes away. Like out in the sticks a bit. Yeah. Yeah, mum and dad are still there. So my sister lives in Billericay. Does she? Yeah, which is uh, Gavin and Stacey territory. Yeah, um, we're a nice, like, 15, 20 minute triangle away from each other. Yeah. And far enough away and close enough as well. Tell me about your profound love for Essex. It's just home, isn't it? Like, like some people just want to go and some people want to stay. Did yeah. you never have that pull of moving somewhere else? Not really, no. I lived in Italy with the academy. Oh, in Quarata? Yeah. I'm going to say it was the best couple of summers I ever had, but in terms of what it did for me, it certainly served a massive purpose. And who were you there with at the same time? I was there with 
uh, Russ Hampton, Pete Kenner, Andy Tennant, um, Stephen Burke. We're going like hard right here. Yeah, good uh, fun. Yeah. Or hard work. It was hard. It was more hard work. Like a hell of an environment we had. You know, if you think about it, we were in a house, in kind of middle of nowhere in Italy. No one, no one in that town speaks English. We didn't speak enough Italian to integrate at all into society there. And we're all like young, talented cyclists. Yeah, you know, everyone, you got eight fellas under one roof that all think they're God's gift to cycling. And yeah, I, I've got no idea what going to war is like, but we went through some real highs and lows together. And we had to, and we all had to live with each other. Like, in peace, no matter how much we liked or disliked each other. Yeah. So we had to, uh, yeah, we had to work together. We had to race together. We had to be a team. So you became more and, like comrades. Yeah, if we met in a, I don't know, a uni environment, maybe, probably wouldn't be friends with most of them. Yeah. But. We sort of all are now because we're because of what we went through together. 2009, I went backwards. Yeah, my dad had come out to Italy that year when it was all going wrong, and we yeah, were in tears because I was like, it's like it's just seeing my dream slip away. Yeah. Getting left. Um, yeah, and we. Looking up, yeah, I'm not stupid. I got finished school and that. I've got all qualifications, so go to university um, comfortably. Yeah. So we were looking that up. Aeronautical engineering was the one that stood out. I, the technical stuff, of course. <laughs> aerodynamics and fixing things. In your formative years, you lived in Karate, you lived in Manchester, you lived in Boulder. Yeah. What brought you back here to Essex? home just home. home yeah what i learned in italy is that you need to be fit but also you need to be happy like you need to be content with life to race well and i think living somewhere like nice or girona somewhere where there's a lot of cyclists this doesn't doesn't appeal so much i i like that i can do my training Put my bike away, see my mates, see my family. I know how close you are to your family and yeah. I know how close you are to your dad, Phil. Yeah. It's got a lot to do with the haemophilia. I mean, things were bad with that. We had to properly club together. Yeah. And work out how to how to deal with it. When were you, when were you diagnosed as being haemophiliac? 18 months. But yeah, like, mum and dad had to learn how to yeah, give an intravenous injection pretty much from the word go. I was a fat little kid, you know, a lot of poppy fat, and finding veins wasn't easy, you know, pretty traumatic. I owe them everything as well for the way that they respected the haemophilia, but kind of allowed me to sort of flourish as well. It'd be, 
Yeah, a lot of the time, hemophilia, like, parents just wrap their kids in cotton wool. And it's, you know, it's not good. Because you got to be fit and healthy as well. I'm already five minutes in there, mate. Are you? Yeah. You started your effort five minutes ago? Yeah. I didn't even realise. <laughs> but I've 332 watts for the last five minutes. I might have to sit on your wheel for a bit though. Yeah, sure. So we're into the first of Alex's 25 minute efforts at around 300 watts, which is probably doable for a decent club cyclist, someone who races perhaps, and then he's going to take a five minute break and do another 25 minutes at 300 watts. This is fairly standard strength training, I guess, after a bit of a layoff at the end of the season getting ready for next season. So this is around like Easter's, it's like a vast network of little lanes at the back of Chelmsford. Kind of don't really go anywhere, you kind of go everywhere. If you look at it on a map later, you like a sort of rabbit run, but we've not actually gone that far. I just keep thinking to myself on your wheel, this guy had the hour record. How long can I keep on his wheel for? <laughs> hey, you're right. We're about 40 watts less than what I needed to average to get the hour record. Okay, well, doable, doable. <laughs> How are we doing? Uh, eight minutes left. Eight minutes? Yep. Feels like an eternity. You're telling me. Are you just keeping it dead on the same power the whole time? Uh, yeah, more or less. That's the time trialing skill, isn't it? Yeah. I remember you telling me about six years ago, something like that. Yeah. I did my first competitive time trial. Yeah. Pretty much my last, actually. <laughs> and it was about 9K, I think. Yeah. And you said, if you cross the line out of the saddle, yeah. you've done it all wrong. Yeah. These are good roads. Nice, isn't they? Yeah. You're flowing. It doesn't matter that it's a little bit damp and grey, it's yeah. uninterrupted. Yeah. The terrain is fairly predictable, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what you want, isn't it, for your kind of riding? Yeah. When you're here, though, on the home roads, yeah. what do you think about? Because clearly you don't have to worry too much about where you're going, it's just innate. So um, what else goes through your mind? Are you... Work out. I've got another, a lot of projects on the go. Um, should be releasing an app, and I dreamed up the whole thing from start. I actually had to, because it was like shit. I, I actually think that's a good idea. That's got legs. I stopped. Yeah, middle of night, like out middle of here. Just stopped. Got my phone out. And made sure I wrote everything down that I thought of. Yeah, you know, it can come in your head, but it can leave as quick. So even uh, when you're training, you allow yourself to sort of daydream a little bit? Oh, massively, massively. I mean, you know, there's only so much you can think about when you... The worst, when we, if it's rides like this where we're doing efforts, sort of that horrible bit in between riding really hard and just tapping along, and then your mind starts drifting a bit. Like, I quite enjoyed like, just then when you'd pull up next to it and talk for a little bit. Like, yeah five minutes of the effort just seemed to fly by then 
And then for you maybe. Well, <laughs> you sort of go like we go quiet again and just watching the clock. Uh, when you're pushing a hard effort, do you talk to yourself in your head? A bit. I have to like sometimes I have to tell myself why I'm doing it. You know, what what the end goal is. How I have to remind myself how good I'll feel that I've done it and how bad I'll feel if I bail on it early. Do you ever think I'm really privileged to be a world tour racer? Do you think do you feel uh, lucky? Not whilst I'm doing an effort, I don't. We're going right, and then unfortunately that's five minutes. <laughs> oh. Leave that not, question hanging. Not whilst I'm doing a five minute like capacity effort. <laughs> Then I sort of think, oh, an office desk would be quite nice right now. Hey. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Okay. Hopefully this will take us to the blue egg. How short was that five minutes? There we go. Second effort done. That was tougher. 32.8k average. Here we are. Yeah. The famous blue egg. Yeah. Made famous by you. <laughs> Ah, oh, I'd bought Cav here and then Cav bought the masses. Good time for a coffee and a break. Yeah. Hey, how are you? You have braces, but you have braces. Yeah. Good. Yeah. 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 Not too bad. Ooh, looking well. How's Thank it going? You. Good. Been on holiday. Have you? Yeah, I went to New Zealand with a girlfriend. Holiday. Yeah, I'm yeah. Pleased to hear that. Yeah, fine. First time since 2012. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can I get an almond cappuccino, please? I'll have a regular flat white, please. You're going to get something to eat. What do, what do yeah. those do? Uh, poached eggs on granary and a superfood bar, please. Okay, I was eyeing up those pepperoni flatbreads. Is that, well, is that be my guess, mate? Is that a no-no? It's up to you. It's, yeah. it's your funeral. <laughs> Can I have the same to eat as him, please? Thank you very much. He's a professional. I'm just going to copy him. <laughs> when did you decide that you wanted to be a pro cyclist? Because you, you got into swimming first, right? I was... 11? Well, like, you learn to ride a bike like every other kid. I actually remember one of my birthdays, I don't know, six or seven or something, got a mountain bike, which was slightly too big for me, you know, so I'd grow into it. Standard. Yeah. And then, 
<laughs> we were at the local sports centre, we were at a party for my birthday, all those school kids, and I managed to ride, lose control, ride and clothesline myself, but like hit a headbutt in a bar. It was like a sort of bar about this high. I had um, gave myself a black eye <laughs> to go to A and E because of the hemophilia. And then I had to come back from the party uh, with a big, big black eye and frozen prawns on me in my face. You remember Dad must have been quite worried with things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Or did they yeah. just take it in their stride? I mean, they, they did. They sort of... It was really tough for them, I think, because they... You know, there's this condition. They, they certainly had to... They sort of forged their own path with it. I mean, there was community groups set up for... It was quite a special situation, because I do believe in the community groups now, but at the time it was, it was the wrong thing for my parents because of how much haemophilia was changing. Mum and Dad would go around, like the, the NHS had set up for Mum and Dad to go and visit other families who had haemophilia. And they'd had it for a long time, so they knew the doom and gloom of it, and that's all they knew. And they, it was like, who could share their worst story? Who was, I mean, they'd walk in, like, there'd be a wheelchair and a pair of crutches sitting in the porch, ready for, like, when there was problems. And mum and dad were like, no, we don't like this, we're not gonna, it's all gonna find our own way. Pretty glad they did actually, because I think if they'd gone down that path, then it could have been like, you know, you sit on the sofa, play PlayStation, because there's no way you're gonna get injured that way. And tell me about the motivation then for Little Bleeders, which is your charity. Is that to show kids that it shouldn't hold them back? Yeah, absolutely. So within the UK, it's, it's just about getting him for the active because it's like the treatment works well but it works very well alongside being fit and healthy which is what I'm a testament to like, I don't get problems I used to get problems I don't since being since sort of swimming five six times a week um, and then obviously bike riding I don't get any problems as a parent if you're told about what hemophilia what it does and how to keep it at bay the easiest thing to do would be to put your kid on a Sofa. Yeah. And one of our strong messages actually a sofa just about as dangerous as a boxing ring or a rugby pitch. The other thing I think your dad seems to have inspired you in is your love of motor cars. Because huh. yeah. your dad used to race them, right? He was a racing driver. No, very good one. Uh, and so you take that stuff pretty seriously. What are you driving? I currently have um, a Defender, which is the only thing that my girlfriend and I agreed on. If she had it her way, she'd be driving like, oh, she just doesn't care. <laughs> and I was like, well, you can't. And she had a Toyota Windy. Okay. <laughs> and we don't even have them in the UK, they're that bad. Because um, Chanel's a Kiwi, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so she, I drew up a list, and it was like, you know, BMW, um, M2. Like A45 AMGs, and she was like, absolutely not. Souped up, fast cars. <laughs> She's like, I You're cannot. such an Essex boy. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I categorically cannot drive one of them. <laughs> and I put a Defender on the list because they're quite cool. And she was like, yeah, I'll drive one of them. For those who don't know, Land Rover Defender. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't make yeah. them anymore, unfortunately. No, which was actually wise because they're not going down in value either. No. Um, I had a C63 AMG, which I've just sold. Wow. Uh, Quick. Very quick, very fun, like overpowered, undertired. Now I've got 2006 Porsche GT3. Amazing. Which is very cool. What colour? Silver. It's very plain, very yeah. like plain, but again, it's something that's, that's not going to go down in value either. 
I finally got sensible on the cars. And tell me about where we are here. So, why is this place the Blue Egg? It's quite noisy. There's a few, uh, few sort of ladies who brunch walking about. But why has this become a bit of a place to cycle to? And you know, when we walked in, there were three other young racers as well having their breakfast here too. There's a few things that make it a good car. You always get a seat. Food's good, and they cater for like being healthy as well. And it's location as well. A massive, like location for it's massive. You know, you, like we've ridden here, not actually seen many cars, even no. though we're kind of in a London suburb. Yeah. Like we're a commuter distance from London. All little lanes. You can, get, you can get here from Cambridge as well from the same distance, so there's a lot come from, I think location's massive as well. Who do you normally ride out here with, or is it normally on your own? Um, sometimes, I do a lot of... Uh, like pre-breakfast, so it's bang on 20 miles to get here, so it's about an hour, so I'll get up at home, have the coffee, ride here and have breakfast here. It's semi-fasted, yeah. apart from the coffee, I guess. Well, the coffee's to accelerate the fastest, fasted, because um, caffeine raises your metabolism. So black coffee. Mm. Yeah. Um, ride here and then have breakfast here. And you occasionally bring Cav here? Yeah, I've bought Cav here a few times, and then I think Cav comes here now on his own. For him it's a bit further, I think it's 30, 40 miles. Because he's got a, he lives in Essex too, right? Well, yeah. and he's got one of one his of houses. His, one of his houses is Essex. And it was when you were riding with Cav, unfortunately, on these Essex lanes that you came a cropper. Oh yeah, we actually went, he took that photo, the photo he took from earlier in the day with the flooding. Um, we rode through that. Okay. Um, where we dropped down that hill and there was a left-hander and then up the hill okay, yeah. to the school. So that's where you came off? No. No, we'd actually just split. Um, I had some stand and start efforts to do, like practice stuff for the hour record. And chain just came off and I just went down. Um, and that was the collarbone gone. Yeah, I could feel it. You knew straight away. Yeah, I put my arm up and I just felt it. <laughs> I got picked up by the ambulance. Yeah. And the lady in the ambulance was, and I get, because of the haemophilia, I'm immediately like a sort of high risk. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost a helicopter job just because of the haemophilia. But they sent an ambulance out. And the um, lady that picked me up, she was like, Trinal, so I heard cyclist haemophilia. I wondered if it was you. I was like, yeah, yeah. And she was like, got anything big coming up? <laughs> and I just looked at her. I just glared and she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I won't ask anymore. Really funny. Um, Do you get recognised around here, much? I, I get a lot of other cyclists shout, like, hello. Like, everyone says hello, but I get a lot of, like, hi, Alex, which is nice. Do you get um, people competing with you, trying to race for signs? No. No, but it was this one time I was out with Cav, and we are in them little lanes we were before, just tapping along. And we're riding up this drag, and someone comes, like, oh, I want to come past us. He's trying to make it look really easy as well. And he looks at us, he's like, oh, nice day for it, isn't it? And he carries on. And Cav and I just looked at each other, we're like, we just got overtaken, for one. Which doesn't happen, like, no problem with it at all, but it doesn't happen often. And he looked like, but then he stayed about 50 metres ahead. It's funny, it, 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 you see it with a lot of pros when they're out, people trying to test themselves. Yeah, Even yeah. some of their friends. Yeah. You know, you talk, you talk to Yanto, he's got a couple of mates who think they can take him. Mm. And even, yeah, he might be retired, still strong as an ox. Oh, yeah. yeah He's still not going to be taken easy. Yeah, yeah. You, you, hear, you hear about people riding with Eddie Merckx now, and, and Eno, they don't let people go past them. 
I have a few mates around here, like uh, fellas I race with. We'll do town side sprints and they'll roll me comfortably because I'm not a great sprinter. They're sprinters, yeah. But it's like it's doing that off the back of what we do. It's sort of sprinting. It's like the time trialing that we can do and just sustaining that real high pace for a long time. That's where we get the. It's just fitness, just speed and fitness. All right, just some quick fire questions. Yeah. Best time on a bike? Smithfield Nocturne. When you went off the front? Yeah. It's the only day. The field in half an hour? Yeah. It's the only day where I just felt like you get these special days where you just can't feel the pedals, and that was one of them. I went out in the morning for three hours with my dad, and he was half wheeling me straight out the drive. Um, and then by the end of the ride, I was like, I feel really good. And just, it was like I was floating all night. Worst time on a bike? Tour de France, actually, when I'd, I'd fallen off on stage, I put myself in that position, but I'd been shoved off the road on the Paris-Roubaix stage of the tour in 20. 15 and punched a hole in my arm. Never really healed up and for some, I think my body was fighting that, fighting the tour, and I just couldn't get my heart rate over. I went from being fine to then in a day, I couldn't get my heart rate over 150. I was riding as hard as I could and couldn't get my heart rate over 150 and I went from being quite good to then useless within a team that had a GC guy that could win and I felt very um, just shit about myself. You and I talked in 2014 about your disappointment not being in the tour then. When yeah. it was in England, it was obviously started yeah, yeah. in Yorkshire and they raced the stage through Essex. Yeah. What was it like? Did you watch the tour that day? Did you see them go past? What was it like? I went out training and I got held up by it. <laughs> so you really submitted yourself to the, yeah, I know, to the frustration? Yeah, it's like when I missed out on London Olympics, I took myself off to Switzerland and trained. Not really interested in watching. Not a big watcher. And when it's a race I'd never wanted to be in. But, yeah, if it's something like Olympics or... Olympic time trial I watch just because learning, trying to pick stuff up. Um, but otherwise, don't really watch stuff that I've been cruelly missed out on. Who are your best mates in cycling? And favourite people to race alongside? He's retired now, but I used to really get on well with Thomas Lockfist. We'd just chat for hours in race. When racing was like, yeah, when it was the low stress time of a race, we'd just chat. Um, we got on really well. Mike Matthews, I chat to a fair bit. Like we talk cars and you know that sort of thing. Anyone who can talk cars. I spent a lot of time chatting with Adam Hansen actually in China. He's super interesting. Like really interesting. Like he's, he does his own, like, dare I say, it, marginal gains. We had a big discussion on crank length as well, because he uses 180s, which is extraordinarily long, and I use 170s, which is on the short side. And I was sort of explaining my theories behind it, and he was explaining his, and I was like, well, I don't think you're wrong, but I do think I'm right. And he, <laughs> he was like, well, maybe I should try that. I was like, maybe I should try that. Um, so yeah. Who rubs you up the wrong way in cycling, if you can say? Uh, I tend not to get into any scuffles and fights. Figured you're better off having friends than enemies in the bunch because there's going to be a time where you need to be letting the line. If you've made an enemy of everyone, then one's going to let you in. But in my days of looking after Valverde, there was one guy who I'd always be. Are you coming into the finish? The, the like, say from 50 to 20k to go is 
quite hilarious in a bunch when you're trying to be at the front because it's like a polite fight. It's not too stressful that you better start banging handlebars, but it's stressful enough that you need to be there. So it's like, they put your bars in front of someone else's and you're like, oh, sorry, sorry, didn't mean to do that. And then you're like, they do it, they're like, oh, sorry. Um, so it's really polite, but there was this one guy, I remember we were in, uh, Dolphinet it was, coming into this horrible little kink in the middle of town. I had Valverde on my wheel. I was like, so I need to stay here. And it was going to narrow and I just kind of put my handlebars in a gap that I knew was going to close unless my handlebars were there. I think it was Michael Shah that was next to me from BMC. And I'd tangled with him once or twice before in a similar situation. He looks, he's like, why is it always you? And I was like, could say the same. And I was like, this is a relationship. I'm not going not gonna to claw this one back. He doesn't like me. And that's fine. And that's, like, it might not be Michael Shah. He was very tall, like, very rangy. Um, Sounds a similar like job to me. And Swiss. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> I had to make an enemy sooner or later. Do you think you will ever leave Essex? In an ideal world, I'd do a winter, our winter in New Zealand, and then come back for the racing season. Um, there's some enviable lifestyles there. And there's a fellow, we went, and I'll be, probably by the time this goes out, would have released the video on my YouTube, where we went to Lake Wanaka. And this, there's this guy that his, for the last 10 years, he works in a bar in the evening, and in the day, he mountain bikes, skateboards, goes out on his speedboat and water skis, like, and that is his life. And for a day, it was like, this is amazing. But then... For a life. For a life, I don't know how, like... I'm not sure, like, a lot of Kiwis come to the UK because of the job at career aspirations, I think. And there's something to be said for that. And I, I've got big, I've got big plans. I've got, like, yeah, I have a car problem I need to fund. Um, so I have like big plans and I don't know how you could do that from New Zealand but from a training perspective there in the winter here in the summer it'd be awesome Settling down at all? Little, little downs that's running around one day? Settled down in terms of I've got I am with you know, someone that I can see myself with for the long haul Chanel, she's, she's pretty awesome hates cars gets car sick as well which is <laughs> really frustrating um, <laughs> But yeah, no, we, like, things are really good in that respect, so it's, I don't know. Uh, so, maybe, yeah, hopefully, yeah, one day for sure. Um, not in any rush, though. No, no need to rush. You've no. got all these roads to rush around on first. Yeah, exactly. Alex, thanks for talking to me and showing me your home roads. Yeah, no problem. Good fun. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 